You are listening to Your Money Story. I am Dawn Thomas, a mother of three, financial advisor by day, and a PhD candidate researching superannuation engagement. The information discussed in this podcast does not take into account your personal, financial, objectives and situation. Before acting on any information discussed here, you should consider its appropriateness, having regard to your objectives, needs and financial situation. Today we have Lacey Filipich, and it is a dynamite episode. Lacey does not mince her words about her thoughts on the corporate hoodwinking on International Women's Day events, and who she thinks should really be fixing gender inequity. Listeners, there will be strong language in this episode. Lacey Filipich founded Money School in 2010 to build financial capability in adults and Makers Kids Club in 2017 to teach children money skills. She published her book Money School in 2020, is a TEDx speaker and the winner of the 2019 Business News 40 Under 40 Award. Welcome on the show, Lacey. Thanks for having me, Dawn. I'm delighted to be here. (laughs) Thank you. So we organized this episode because um, of a post you did on social media, and it was linked to an article that you wrote for Women's Agenda. You can actually say what you feel about it, and you don't sugarcoat any of it. Um, you know, and sometimes we kind of tiptoe around topics or, or not even talk about them at all because they're uncomfortable. Uh, so that's why I have you on here. So for our listeners, um, L- Lacey's not going to mince her words for the next 30 <laughs> minutes. She's just going to tell it how it is. Um, and I think that's refreshing to hear as well, because we are going to see a whole onslaught of corporatized International Women's Day events. Well, it's an interesting one for me. And over the last few decades, and it is a few decades, um, because I've been aware of International Women's Day since I was in primary school. And I, I used to sort of go, oh, do we really need this anymore? Like, aren't we there yet? You know, I had a, I had a feminist aunt. I have a feminist aunt, very staunch feminist aunt. And I used to feel a bit uncomfortable around International Women's Day because she got really vocal and I'd be like, oh, come on. Like, we're equal. You know, my male <laughs> friends at school and I, what, what yeah. do you mean? But every year, every year I find myself getting angrier and angrier in the lead up to International Women's Day for the hypocrisy. It's really the hypocrisy. And the point you made about um, different people can do different things in this circumstance. The reason why I guess I'm getting more vocal about it is the risk, the personal risk to me of being vocal is lower and lower as years go by. Yes. I have the advantage of I don't have a boss. I'm my own boss. So no one's going to fire me. <laughs> um, no one's going to you know, say, oh, she's a bit awkward. I don't want her around. Yes. Um, you know, or like just go, oh, don't promote her. I don't have that problem. I don't have clients who are going to leave. They like that I'm vocal about it. So it's a unique position. And I think the fact that I've been allowed to express it more and more makes a difference and makes me more vocal. But when I first learned about International Women's Day, I was taught about the suffragettes. Mm-hmm. You know, the horrible treatment they went through to to be able to get the vote, you know, Uh, women starving themselves and being force fed and locked in jail, like in the 1800s. And it's, it was so vivid in my mind um, about all the sacrifices these women had made to make progress. And then a couple of years ago, I got my mum to read The Wife Drought because she was saying to me, why are you all still complaining? (laughs) Get this. And I got her to read The Wife Drought and after she was like, oh, my God, it's worse than it was for me in the 80s. She, she, think, she thought we had gone backwards. Wow. Um, so in the, in the 80s, she was working school hours and getting paid a proper salary so that she could, you know, pick up the kids and take us to school and everything because she was a single mum. And she had a boss who thought that was just perfectly normal and there are women today who can't access that. And she, she hadn't realised. 
she was like, wow, it's really that bad. And I was like, yeah, I know. It's So every year I see International Women's Day as this one-hit wonder where everybody flies their virtue signaling flags. Oh, I'm so good. Oh, yes, we've got so much work to do, I know. But look at how far we've come and fight the good fight. And it's just total bullshit from most <laughs> of them. And it really, really upsets me these days because none of them do the hard things and the big things that they could do. They just like to talk about it and have a nice breakfast together. So, yeah, don't I sound cynical? <laughs> it's getting worse. It's getting no. worse. The year goes by. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's valid. It's valid. Um, I was expressing to you when we, we communicated about doing this episode that um, I feel, especially as a, a brown woman in Australia, being an immigrant, um, I can't be as outspoken as I want to be about how certain women issues are treated. Like I have to navigate it my own way uh, because there's a good chance at some point, you know, I could be told to go back to where I come from. <laughs> so and you know just, what? We've got yeah. form for that. That is a totally justified, like I think about Yasmin abdel Magid, who yeah. I know personally because we yeah. went to university together. We were on a committee together a few years ago. Yeah. Look at how badly she got treated for being vocal. If I had said the same things as her, I don't think it would have been as bad. I just, I, I think you're you're it's a totally justified and we've got form yeah, yeah. um concern i agree with you yeah yeah so that's why i i really appreciate you coming on here to talk about this because um i think you're going to articulate a lot of things that maybe um some women feel uh but it's an awkward conversation to have it's also quite confusing because um you can be caught in this wave of change like sometimes i find international women's day events quite euphoric because i kind of believe for an hour i'm like oh they care. They really care. We're going to change things. Like, I get caught up in it. I, I believe, like, I'm a believer, you know, and I go, um, it's going to be better. It's going to be better. And then you walk out of the event and then you, sometimes I've got, gone out of an international women's event and gone to a fund manager's event basically in the same day. <laughs> I realized, no, it's, there's not, nothing is going to change rapidly. Um, so let's put it this way. You've got the corporatized version of International women, Women's Day. What do you think should happen on International Women's Day or Women's Month? Mm, such a good question. So <laughs> when we talk about the corporatized thing, I think there would be a lot of religious people who fervently believe in, you know, um, Christmas being a time to reflect that would see uh, consumerism as offensive, right? They would look at and go, this is just, this is not what Christmas is about. Same with Valentine's Day, same with Easter, same with everything. They all go, oh, we've lost the meaning. I think that's what's happened to International Women's Day. I think we have commercialised it. And it's only in the last few years, like I probably did this before that, that I've realised that those challenges, those lovely hashtags, they are not the official ones. They are from a .com.au and and it's, it's a corporatised version. Now, I'm not saying the slogans they choose are bad. I'm saying they don't get to choose. The, the UN women's group gets to choose. <laughs> um, and so when if people come out this year's theme, it's the success, success of marketing. I don't know what's wrong with us as human beings. <laughs> that we fall for this marketing all the time. And like That's the thing. It's so effective. Because like choose to challenge is a really lovely need hashtag. Um, women in leadership uh, for a post-COVID world is not a nice need hashtag. Um, but it's just our need for sound bites and and Great. marketing and our acceptance of surface level stuff yes i don't really get angry at the women who use those right like i'm not angry when i see a woman or a man hashtag choose to challenge all i go is that's me i've been hashtagging yeah <laughs> but i don't look at that and go like oh you fool yeah 
what I do, I get pissed off when companies use it. Mm. I'm like, you should know better. And you've got social media budgets and people who should be researching this stuff. And how dare you hijack um, what this is meant to be for your corporate image and your branding. What I feel is misery for us as humans that we are so susceptible to marketing because that is what it is. Mm. Um, and telling someone choose to challenge, like, I'm going to swear now, Dawn, you can okay. me out. Like, Fuck you. Fuck <laughs> you, mate. Like, whoever came up with that, unless you say white man in privileged position choose to challenge, you'd failed. I'm okay. sorry. Because women have been challenging for centuries. That is not working. We know that's not working. Yeah. You don't need to market to the women, which is what basically the marketing does. Uh, we need to be marketing to middle-aged white men. And um, I don't believe shame is effective and, and it's not an effective marketing tool. So we don't actually put the hard word on them. Yeah. <laughs> so all that commercialised stuff doesn't do what it should do, in my opinion, and I think it robs the day of meaning. So this is the first time in my life that I've really commiserated with religious people who get pissed off about Christmas being commercial. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, I've always been like, oh, whatever. Um, and maybe there will be people who hear that and go, oh, yeah, whatever. That, that is the thing I take offence at. I dislike that it's one day. I dislike that it's like this, hey, we did it. You know, we've done our thing. It's all about breakfasts. You took the money that you spent on the social media campaign and the social events and paid some women some more money instead, you'd have a big impact and it would last longer. Um, It's just a flash in the pan, but everybody does it because you can't be seen to be missing out. Um, I would really respect a company that said, hey, we had a million bucks set aside for our social media and for our breakfast, but instead we're going to give every woman in the company an extra two grand pay rise. Um, That would be impressive, but Mm. people don't do that because, it doesn't make good photos it doesn't uh, get you social media reach um and that's where i get really annoyed we're our own worst enemy human society is our own worst enemy there i think when you see international women's day happening on one level i think or at least they're they're thinking about it right but then like you're talking about the other level to it is why is it being done if 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 the reason you're doing it is to tick a diversity box or to say that or we care, but you're not actually backing up the actions to it. I think that is a very good point because um, after your article, even on this podcast, I've gone, you know, one of the themes of International Women's Day, I say one of the themes, not the theme, um, is is choose to challenge. But the um, what that is also saying is that, you know, you're asking again a woman to, to do the heavy lifting. I honestly feel as a financial advisor that the external change is not going to happen. I mean, that's how I feel about it. So I kind of go, um, you as a woman cannot afford to sleepwalk your way through finances because really the system doesn't care about how you're going to end up. By the time you've done all your free caring duties, by the time you looked after everyone else, if you end up homeless and in poverty, the system is not going to care. It's not going to care. No matter how many breakfasts you attend right now, the system is not going to change to do that. Um, So I see where you're coming from. So if we can somehow, if we've got anyone that is listening here that maybe is working for a large uh, company, I suppose what could you share a message to take back to the corporate? So you have mentioned use that budgeting on, you know, giving rises, pay rises and things like that. What kind of real action can companies take? Mm, This is an answer that has a myriad of options Mm. depends on the company depends on your budget you know there's things that i would ask big businesses to do versus small businesses yes look there's a few things that i um i feel very strongly make a quick impact okay 
these come from first of all i saw lieutenant morrison uh you know the guy that used to be like he was uh, tony abbott appointed him to be in charge of women's stuff and everybody went what yeah He's amazing. And what he realised in his process, um, and he spoke about it at a conference I went to, which really opened my eyes, is he said, it's not the woman's job to go in and convince the men. It was my job. Yes. So he, as a a middle-aged white man in charge, he went to the platoons of men. He went in there and explained why. And his one thing was, I don't want you to die (laughs) and your team will be more capable if you have women in it. Like it is a fact. I can get yeah for all the questions about women's ability to serve and and, and in proper pressure situation he's like I know there's a better chance you you'll have a higher capability if there are if there's diversity, but he didn't ask a woman to do it he didn't ask his um because uh, he had one of his I think it was his chief of staff is a trans woman mm-hmm. like how extraordinary is that that's amazing yes like I saw an article where our at the head of the ADF came out telling women to stop being attractive like. Stop. That 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 is unconscionable. That that man is condoning the behaviour of the men that have committed sexual assault. That is what he has done. He probably doesn't see it that way, but dude, you did by saying those words and putting the onus on us. It is not a woman's job to go out and convince that. So if you're a white man in charge of a company, you are the one going out every day to explain why we need diversity in our teams, why we need to recruit more women into our teams, why that is going to help you have a better profitable company, have a have a yes. safer life. That's not the job of women. We're not in enough powerful positions to do it. Correct. And what I have seen over the International Women's Day is breakfast, and I went to one, um, there was an excellent breakfast by the uh, Bankwest Curtin Economic Centre sharing the Indigenous changes that had happened. And what they'd shown is how Indigenous lifespan for men had increased, but for women it had stayed the same. Um, And I looked around the room and there was one frigging CEO in there, one male CEO. It was just a wash with women and male researchers. Graham Kerr from South 32 gets my like, (laughs) like to be ballsy enough to go sit in that and to be really uncomfortable and to hear how far you have to go. He was the only guy. And we have like CEOs for change. We have all of that stuff. Where the hell are you? I want those men. That's what the International Women's Day Breakfast should be. It should be at least half male. Stop sending your women and go yourself and like own up to what's happening and get serious. Use that, you know, that energy that you talk about that you get from those things and that acknowledgement, those kinds of events can be used much more powerfully. So that's the two things, I guess, for relation to International Women's Day. The final thing is pay your fucking women what they deserve. If you have, if you have (laughs) not done a gender gap analysis at every level in your company, you have failed. Pull your finger out and turn around to old Angus in charge of the defense force and tell him he's wrong it's not my like uh, me saying that or you saying that doesn't matter every white man in this country had better be turning around to going to angus and saying you cocked up mate and you need to do better yeah we can't do that so you can see how angry i get about this can't you um it's not not angry (laughs) everything is is like making sense right like saying like you get to see the things that (laughs) that i cannot articulate out loud i i see that i see that call and the sad thing is that that most of the people probably listening to this podcast will be women. So not probably the guys that need to, to well, hear In that it, case, but, yeah. ladies, 
Yeah, you can tell them I told you to do it. It's Correct. not my fault. You send this to your bosses. You send it to the white men, and you say, if you're serious about International Women's Day, take a good hard look in the mirror, and you you need to come to defence here. You need to be at these things. Just say that I made yes. you do it. So, listeners, you've got permission from Lacey, um, but you're you're right. I mean, I, yeah, but because <laughs> even in your article, you mentioned something that um, that was similar to what Mariam Mohammed actually um, she posted on on LinkedIn about the fact that it's bad enough you don't pay women, but you even don't want to pay them on International Women's Day when you're asking small businesses to speak. And, and I was like laughing because you've mentioned it, she's mentioned it, she doesn't mince her words, you know, so she's, she's of course, a brown woman who, who is so outspoken. But Lacey, can you just, can you explain the absurdity behind, <laughs> behind that? It is, yeah. isn't it? It yeah. is absurd. Imagine having a day to empower women and then say, oh, well, we hoped you'd speak for free for exposure. Now, yeah. this is, again, where marketing and people in charge of social media and PR have something to answer for, and that's a lot of women. Mm-hmm. And it is also a cultural change we've had here too. Remember, like, in the you know, 90s and 2000s, it was normal for you to speak for free to then sell someone your product. And that that was like a legitimate way for people to build their businesses. You know, like, let me, I'll come and talk for free, but can I plug my book? That kind of thing. What we know is that um, women earn less on average. We have lower superannuation. We are a lot of, we are a decent portion of small business in Australia because of the flexibility that running your own business offers, right? Because it allows us to build around childcare and caring responsibilities, all that kind of stuff. Um, But because we're paid less, when you ask a woman on the day to celebrate women to speak for free, and I mean it for any time of year. So that request came through to me um, last year. So not for International Women's Day, but the fact that it was a major bank wanting me to share my intellectual property which is how I make money, but to do it for free for exposure, like that bank is dead to me. Okay. I'm, I have an account with them. I will be moving. Okay. That's how seriously, and I'm, like, I'm not, I'm not going to say their name on the podcast, but if you want to know who they are, I'll tell you who they are because they, <laughs> they deserve to be outed. It's only respect for the two individuals that I know that yeah. is stopping me from naming them, to be blunt. Okay. Um, it's not any risk of defamation. I couldn't yeah. care less because I'm using fact. Um. It's just respect for those two people. I don't want them to be embarrassed and yes. I don't want them to be um, penalised in their career. And one of them's a woman and one's a man. But if you do this, if you, anyone who does this, if you have a practice of asking people to speak for free and look, that's okay when someone is an employee and they're representing their company. So they're getting paid anyway. They're taking a day off work. It's okay when it's a requisite of their job. There's certain, lots of circumstances where it's okay to ask someone to work for free. It is not okay to ask a small business to work for free for you if you're a big company ever stop and especially not on international women's day um but i think i you know ivy chen who's a fantastic board director in perth with a mind background put it really well she said it's not the job of small business to subsidize you you have enough money you do um don't be greedy you bastards um that's what it is it's it's greed and laziness it's like oh well we can get away with it because we've got this fantastic network those days are gone mate like they are gone i think Um, there's a bit of unawareness there as well lacy like i think like even they just might be so ignorant of what they're asking you. They're just so unaware, like painfully unaware of the situation. I think sometimes it's not even something malicious. It's the fact that- Oh, not at all. No, there's like two different realities. They've got their reality world of where there's like budgets and budget because we know how much there'll be budgets for marketing and stuff like that. We know those things, but it's a very different world from the small business that is, um, that that needs to make every dollar count because that's that's you, you know, that's your business. Um, So I think that's like, there's this, 
this real misunderstanding or ignorance or maybe being not really in tune to what's going on to someone else's situation. Exactly. And it is, you're exactly right that it is ignorance. And I do like that phrase, never ascribe to malice what can be yeah. explained by ignorance. Yep. Um, so don't assume someone's doing this maliciously. But for that reason, I will be very quick to point out when they've done it. And like in the case of this particular lady who asked me, she was like, I'm sorry, I've offended you. Wow. Like she honestly had no yeah. idea. And she's a lifetime employee when you have your income coming and like she's spoken for free on a panel that I was on. So she's probably going, what are you talking about? Um, but it, there's a nuance there that's different. She's an employee. They're trying yeah. to recruit more women. Of course, she's going to go for free on a panel to a women in technology group. That's free recruiting for her. It's also a panel where she doesn't have to rehearse. She's not giving Correct. away intellectual property. It's totally different from asking me to deliver training. Um, she didn't see it. She just was like, well, that's what they want. <laughs> yeah um what I want is women or men in that situation to go wow like I think about there's so many times when I've done things wrong and you've heard later like um dead naming people I've dead named trans people before not knowing that that's a thing so what's uh, dead, well, dead naming is dead it? name is when you use um someone who has come out and announced you know they're born one sex and have announced that that's not their sex and they've changed and and so you know a trans woman who is they're a woman right you don't yep. call them by the name they had when they were when they weren't a woman so okay. you you know the example that gets used is ellen page mm -hmm. so ellen page is her birth name yes that's not her name now to call her ellen page is an insult we should call her elliot page because that's the name she's chosen um it's easy to fall into i didn't know that dead naming was a bad thing until this year i was like oh wow you know like it's unconscious incompetence that's the way i think about it once you know better you can do better you've got to be open to knowing where you did the wrong thing now i there's a balance to this which is it's very hard to keep track of who i could offend um and it can make you scared to say anything in case you do upset someone i think almost everybody will accept that if you're coming from the right place and you'll listen when someone says hey hey that's not okay then you're not gonna be shot yes. <laughs> you're not gonna be cancelled you know like if you're willing to have the discussion I think that's enough. So I think if more people who hear those kinds of requests and then someone does get irate, goes, oh, wow, what happened here? I don't understand. And acknowledges that, hey, maybe there is something that I've misunderstood here. That's the only way you're going to really move forward with this stuff. You know, like if we just um, we try to hide it and or ignore it, you know, like that's not helping anybody. Anyway, I hope that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> no, no, it, it does. It does. And I, I, I think um, you need to be open when you kind of go oh I didn't know that but I think you've got two reactions <laughs> you've got the oh I didn't know that okay let me change my my the way I'm going to approach that the next time because I understand where you're coming from yeah. and I'm, I'm in financial planning as, as you can imagine <laughs> my industry can be quite interesting when you're at social events um, and sometimes people drink a little bit and then they they tell you how they really feel about things Right. And so this demographic that you're telling us that we should be talking to about them making the change, you know, <laughs> telling them that they should be the ones making the, the challenging change, not us women. Um, they've kind of expressed, um, you know, why do we have to make changes for a minority? Why is there cancel culture? Why do we have to why do we have to change things just because some people are upset? You know, I'm offended that they're offended. So this, this, these are things <laughs> yeah. I've had to I know I, I kind of like. I'm thinking this is why sometimes social events are not good for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a thing though, right? Yeah. There are things that I've seen. 
there was one recently where someone uh, had erroneously, because it was good clickbait, created the headline, um, nurses have asked people to call breast milk chest milk. But I did look at that and just go, oh, my God, yeah. really? Yeah. Like, is this where we're at? So I can understand the frustration. Now, it turned out that that was absolute total BS, beat yes. up by the media, and I would expect that a lot of the outrage might actually be media beat-ups to get clicks. So yeah. I wonder if it's as extreme um, or as vocal. That said, we know we've got a history of doing this to people. We know we've got a history of um, inadvertently, but sometimes also on purpose, um, just treating them badly. It's just the thing, like, and it's only in recent years that people, I guess, have had more opportunities to get their voice out there because with social media, you don't need to have a following. You don't need to be at a meeting table. You can post your views. And so there's more views coming out, right? What I would say to anyone who's like, well, I'm offended that they're offended. Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> um, why? Why is it a problem? I mean, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. You know, like, just because I'm offended that um, men don't do enough on Winter International Women's Day on average doesn't mean I'm right. It's my opinion, right? You know, and we're all allowed to have different opinions. I think that's what, you remember when we did money debate, you have to have room for multiple views to coexist, even if you don't agree with them. But that doesn't mean I can't have empathy for you see where you're coming from I, I don't have to think you're right um so I, I think anyone who says that I'd be like well who cares like you don't have to agree with them but the fact that they've said something uh, means there's a problem and you should probably give them the respect of being listened to and um you know that that's I think the thing to do there I think the other thing is this unconsciousness of privilege like it's happened to me, you know, yes. where I complain last year, I wrote, so I write something about International Women's Day every year. So that was my <laughs> women's agenda. And then the year before it was, I said, you know, men, where are you? Why are you not in these rooms? You know, like the same with, you know, I used Graham Kerr's example and sent him a love letter being like, you're amazing. Um, you know, I, I always write. And then uh, uh, a black woman in the United States wrote a comment of like, well, you should be giving up your speaking spots for minorities, for brown women and for black women. And I was kind of like, yeah, I probably should actually. <laughs> like, There's a lot of stuff that um, I was like, oh, yeah. And, and oh, I hadn't thought of that. You know, like when someone brings that stuff up, they're not necessarily trying to punish you. They're trying to, you know, get you to think about it in a different way. One very interesting story I think also to reflect on with that is what's happened to people through the Black Lives Movement and mm -hmm. um, through uh, equality for gay marriage. The amount of post-traumatic stress that has been inflicted on the founders of those movements, people have, have taken their own lives, people have been unable to work. You talk to the people who campaigned for gay marriage in Australia and they yes. are emotional wrecks, a lot mm -hmm. of them, because we were so unable to listen to them compassionately. And I just, we don't want to, I don't want to be that as a humanity. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to be that as a member of society. And I'm pretty sure they wouldn't too, if they realized how much toll it was taking on people. Um, so I would encourage them to think, Hey, look, can you make it easy for this person to at least get their views out there <laughs> um, instead of traumatizing them in the process and arguing with them and trolling them? Like, I don't know. What, what kind of person do you want to be? You're, not, you're giving up so little of your space to make someone else feel included. You know, if, if you're saying, like, really in the scheme of things, is it worth getting upset over that? Because really, there are more important things to be getting upset on. I think that's exactly. when you've got a scale. Yeah, when you've got a scale of, of things to be um, offended and all that, I like to keep my offense to myself. And it was quite interesting that, um, so Lisa, I'm not sure if you actually are aware of this, but I, I heard about how, um, there are some businesses that that actually hire Asians 
or like minority groups, not because of multiculturalism, but because they feel that they'll be more, um, how would I put it? Like, they're not going to talk back and they'll be just there working. <laughs> oh, oh and, God. Yeah. Oh. And I'm just like, wow. Oh. You know, on the outside, you kind of go, that's a really multicultural um, company. <laughs> but then, um, but then when you drill down to it, it's like, no, we're, we're going to try and have a sweatshop here. Um, <laughs> kind of, right? Oh, Gina Reinhardt. Do you remember Gina Reinhardt going, you Aussies are lazy. You all need to work for $2 a day. That's yeah. why I can't produce yeah so there's there's that sort of this weird thing where you're moving in a space and you talked about you understand your privilege and things like that like for me moving to a corporate space I I could actually see who was using me as a diversity checker box and who was genuinely supporting me because they were not actually concerned about how this exterior looked it was really about the work that I put in Mm. and I think it's sometimes a bit sad because the ones that that tick the box or they know how to strategize around ticking the boxes actually move quite quickly they 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 do quite move quite quickly in the environment but Mm. what they don't realize is that you know I see it I see your intentions I may not say anything about it but I see it you know so like how you've looked around in a room and gone where are these people you know, for what you've almost like got a mental checklist. Like I've got a list in my head of who, yeah, who the the real advocates are. Um, yeah. my my job as as a woman is to celebrate those people as well because I think they're they're great examples of of people that that should be calling out the stuff that is that is not right. But they just exist. Going, you're a human being. Um, let's just give you a fair go. Um, it's really tough on that one, Dawn. Yeah, it? it's really tough. So part of me, so I should yeah. also say. I think there are two kinds of uh, ways to think about this change. One is process and one is outcome. Yep. And um, part of me goes, well, if they're hiring them, they're going to end up promoting them. We're going to get there anyway. And how about you just stage a coup from the inside? Um, so I kind of go, yeah, you're, you're recruiting for the wrong reasons, but watch yep. out. You just let the fox in the hen house. Correct, correct. Um, part of me is a bit like, well, you're going to get what's coming to you because, and, and yeah, it's a shit process the way you've gotten there. Yeah. But at least it might have a flow on effect. I, I, it's amazing. You send me the names of those companies because I will be black banning them. <laughs> no, no, no. There's a really tough um, thing here. Now, I'm, I'm going to share a bit about when we recruited for money debate speakers. When we went out to look for money debate speakers, we knew, oh, we've probably got about, you know, 25 speaker spots. I was like, right, we are placing brown and black and Indigenous women first. Okay. Then we're placing white women. And then we will go out and ask white men. So the white men got the invite like a week before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and it was a very deliberate, no, this is the first round yeah. we're going to. Like that's, and I, that is how I now approach conferences and stuff. Like, like we are placing those women first where they want to go in the times that suit them and everyone else can fit around. Oh, wow. Um, so, the, well, the point with this is not that I went out going, well, you tick a box. It's that I believe there are so many capable people who mm. could do the job. There are so many capable people, you know, like I am eminently replaceable by about 50 other people, right? Like as much as I think I'm wonderful, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not irreplaceable. And there's so many people who can do it. So if you say, well, let's say there's 50 people who can do those 25 yes. speaking spots, right? We're going to preference these ones first. We're going to offer it. If they say no, fine. Okay. Like that's okay. Now we didn't do as well as I hoped, you know, we had um, out of our 40 something speakers, we had 13 who you'd consider minorities beyond the fact that we were mostly women. We didn't get enough indigenous people. We didn't get disability representation. There were things mm-hmm. that I was like, uh, and we had very low um, LGBT. Yeah. Yep. So um 
I was like, look, we haven't done very well. But I just see it as work in progress. I think everybody needs to do, if you're going to organise things like that, and I'm talking about speaking gigs, but it would be the same with jobs as you go, no, we've just got to put those people to the front because they meet the minimum threshold. Let's give them the shot first. If that doesn't work out, right, then we move down the list. But um, that's certainly how I would, um, I think you can make that impact quite quickly. I see what you're saying because mm. I didn't know that was your process. Um, mm. I took part as one of the debaters so I was quite happy to just because I understand the importance of visibility like I I I will be visible where I have to be visible because I want more people to know that there are people like me that exist you're welcome to the table you're welcome in financial planning you're welcome to the financial conversation you know it's not just one way of dealing with things one thing that um, kind of flowed on from what you're talking about is that you put preferences that are there something that's quite a even quite divisive between women, because this is where I think brainwashing has happened. You know, you talked about International Women's Day brainwashing. <laughs> I think when we're talking about quotas, um, women are made to feel that they're not good enough when they get into the role because apparently they just got it as a woman. You know, when nobody questions when a man has gotten a job because maybe they've known somebody and they play in the same golf club or there's no question when a man goes into a job about whether they, they deserve it. But the moment a woman's in a job is a spotlight on them. And I've even kind of heard other women kind of whisper, oh, yeah, she's, you know, like we're so harsh on a woman who ends up in a prominent position. We're not quick enough to support her. We make her feel bad that, you know, she's gotten a job because she's just part of a ticker box. Um, I mean, how do you feel about that? Is that that for me makes me really angry. So that's where my yeah. of my angst comes from is that well, and why you are we feel angry? Yeah, yeah. You know, because it, it is, it's, it is insulting in some ways. However, I guess this is that debate between quotas, right? Like, yep. it's a, and people oscillate on it. My point is, we've tried without quotas and we ain't getting there quick enough. Exactly. Now, I, I'm coming back to your discussion about the, you know, we're just going to hire a bunch of sweatshop workers in Australia. <laughs> um, people who don't, people who don't talk back to us because, like, I'm really sick of you guys complaining and just <laughs> pay you two dollars a day. Yeah. Um, I I go. That's fine. I'm coming to you from the inside then. Um, like, I kind of think what comes first mm. so you either have the quota you get enough women on there you change the culture because of by density um, and it evolves right and then you get that outcome or you let it happen on merit which is a complete myth correct um i, I think i think you have to have the quota first because guys you didn't do it quick enough if yes. quotas are coming it's because you didn't do it um and it is you it is yeah. you guys who are tapping your mates on the shoulder for the board positions and um all of that stuff you know this is a failure of yours and now quotas are what you deserve that's how I feel about well yeah (laughs) I sound like an asshole I sound like a patronizing parent in a lot of ways but I do feel like if we can get enough women in there then then as annoying as the quota was eventually you won't need it anymore because the culture will be substantially changed you know and I think about Graham Kerr the guy I'm using him as a great example the guy who came to that the one CEO out of the CEOs for change and I know the rest of you and I know who wasn't there and you should be freaking embarrassed um Graham sat there his team his leadership team is half male half female four women four men there's not another mining company who's got there yet that I'm aware of if he can do it so can you. Now, what came first? Was it was it that leadership's team decision? Because they don't have a quota. They do have like a positive hiring policy of trying to promote women and there's lots of women in leadership. I think back to when I worked for Western Mining, <laughs> you know, the old cowboys and I was one of 
there was 300 people on the site. So that difference, when I think about what I've had going to the Kalgoorlie nickel smelter as a 21-year-old, you know, uh, with Western Mining versus what I see at South 32, I don't know which came first. Graham managed it without quotas, but he's the only friggin' one, okay? I think there's something special about Graham. I don't think it's, oh, it'll happen eventually when we have the right women. I think it's Graham and his leadership team. I think it's Rowena Smith. I think it's that team is just exceptional at that stuff. Unless you copy what they have done, we yeah. will make you. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the way I think about it. And I guess I'm sick of waiting for permission. If you don't sort it out soon, we're just going to do it without you. Um, and part of the point to amassing wealth is to become a strong enough shareholder that we can really do you damage if you don't. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's my take on it. Yeah, and I find like um, that that what you said there about it's a myth that, um, you know, there is an even playing field because it's not. So I think that's what I want to clarify as well. If you break it down, you go, oh, I just want to get the job because it's fair. It's like, first of all, you're looking at a whole criteria that's not fair to women because they might be penalized for having time out for looking after kids. Or, you know, the, the code term that I hear is, um, oh, we're looking for someone more experienced, you know, then like, why ah. put you in the pool? You know, code term sometimes for women is is the, the experience bit because that's, that's something maybe we cannot compete in because we might have to take time off. Um, yeah. And there's so much to this. This is a, such a complicated thing. Yeah. And one great area for research for this is to look up Professor Bob Wood, Robert okay. Wood, who is at the University of Technology of Sydney. And he explains how it's nothing to do, well, the career breaks don't help, but it starts from the first job okay. where they gave the boy the more strategic operational stuff and they give the girl the more administrative history. Correct. Like, yep. So a, an engineer would come in. And I use the example of as an engineer, like who had been on site for, you know, 10 months, I think, uh, on a shift with 40 blokes running the furnace chemistry with them. No problems at all. Like they were all great. I didn't have any problems with anyone to my face doing anything. When the GM lost his fifth secretary in 18 months, which tells you something, right? They asked me to go in to be temporarily while they could recruit someone because they needed someone really quickly. And I looked around and went, there are five fucking blokes that I'm working (laughs) with. We can all operate a computer. Why me? Why have you picked me? Knowing, knowing I'm a woman, right? Which is, of course, my boss, to his credit, said, yeah, I know, but I promise you, you're going to learn something. And what happened was I got to be the secretary while the BHP takeover was being planned. So Uh I got, as a 21-year-old, to go into war rooms to see how you sell a company yeah. Um, to help see how they spun things, like changing stats to like of any graphs. I got to sit there while they worked out how to promote themselves. And like as a 21-year-old, I went, holy holy, this is amazing. So I think there can be real advantages um, to it if you play it. And that's the thing. I, I now go, I am delighted if you recruit me because I'm a woman, but I'm going to say what I think and I'm going to change you whether you like it or not because I have that I can. I have that advantage. But that's what happens to these women. So much of it is subconscious. It's even, um, you know, hey, we're going to the pub for beers after work and the poor woman's got to go do childcare, so she misses out on that casual chat. And that's the point at which they're like, oh, hey, would you like to do that project? Oh, yeah, man, I'd love to do it. The stuff that happens because they all ride their in their lycra <laughs> bicycles and shower together. That it's so they're tiny micro things, but they add up to this massive stuff. So I recommend looking at um, University Technology of Sydney's research on that. Professor Bob Wood speaks extensively on it. Excellent research material that explains how 
yes, the, the childcare, the maternity breaks, the superannuation gaps, those are very big things, but it's not just those big things. Probably a hundred things a man will do today at work to his female colleagues and to his female employees that add up. Um, and it's just not, not simple. But that's the point that he makes is there is no meritocracy. And if you think there is one, you are deluding yourself. Correct. Um, so very I think, clear evidence on that. And, and we talk about this, I suppose, like we, we understand this and co- are convinced of it. But I find sometimes when I go out to the real world, uh, I feel like I'm the only crazy person. Don't join me. I'm crazy too. I know. Sometimes, <laughs> I, sometimes I find it hard because it's sometimes a conversation that women don't want to embark on as well. I mean, they talked about unconscious bias yeah. and um, I know that sometimes women will place themselves in the more powerful group, um, mainly men. They will side with them because that's going to give them power in the workplace. That's all part of unconscious bias. So they may not necessarily um, be willing to work with you know, the marginalized group because of the awareness that the power dynamics. I mean, it's understandable. You want to be able to go to work and, and, and try and equalize power wherever you can. So if maybe if that's being with people who have the power, I understand that. Uh, for me, I'm I'm not one of those people because I will just um, <laughs> I will I will say what I think in a diplomatic way, but I don't. I think I was even told by one senior person that basically she had told me that I had to cater to male ego when I was working it's not it's the thing is that it's the truth right in certain environments that's what it's the practical it's practical practical that's why i think about it it's a very pragmatic approach yeah there's a there's a great um machiavelli quote probably a bit dodgy isn't it that i'm quoting machiavelli (laughs) he comes that outcomes over processes as well but it basically that um when you want to change something you will only get lukewarm support from the people who would benefit from the change because if they're vocal against the people who are benefiting it like the people who are benefiting it from it which we're talking about middle-aged white men right now of course they don't want to change like they've got it pretty friggin' good um and every time someone says oh the poor men i'm like oh give me the world's smallest violin yeah. um yeah look we've all got problems but mate yours are just proportionally nothing compared to um what as a gender women have had to overcome and are still facing so i i i don't have a lot of sympathy sorry blokes uh, on average certainly individual circumstances yeah. i think that's that's why sometimes you know i i know personally i reach out a lot to yeah. like i connect to people like you I connect I think if I can give any advice to listeners who maybe feel a bit isolated in their point of view because they feel they're a bit of a freedom warrior themselves but it's lonely it's a lonely pathway and there'll be a million women that probably go yeah I agree but I can't say it and look that's the thing if they do say it a lot of women will be financially penalized and career penalized it's risky to do so it's got to be women who like me have lower risk by saying things like this like what's the worst thing that someone to me not offer me a contract (laughs) i need your contract (laughs) stick it up your backside like honestly um and i wouldn't work with some people on moral grounds now you know i was able to say no to selling my company to the barefoot because i don't like his take on money and marriage you know like that is a luxury that i have i think women who are like me and i'm thinking about women who are on boards who have been ceos like it's our responsibility to be vocal because we are financially secure and um we cannot have people holding your job over you you know like and that's where i think that there's that advantage there but um just know you're not alone if you feel that you know like you might feel like the only person who's a freedom warrior and it feels awkward i i get this sense that we're gonna eventually reach a point where it's like so i'm probably going to march for the first time in my life on the 14th of march when we do the women's march for justice 
that's what they, that's what this has done. <laughs> it's made me an actual feminist. Like I would never have called myself a feminist, but the behaviour of our politicians is so abhorrent to me that I'm like, that's it enough. I suspect we will hear more and more vocal stuff. We will hear more and more men and women in uh, just challenging and that it will become normal and maybe you won't feel so alone, I hope. That's a great message. And, and so that March is happening on March 14th. Yes. Um, in Perth, uh, yep. In Perth. In 15th in February else, and um, they're aiming to put a ring of women around Parliament House in Canberra on the 15th. And yes. it's honestly, it's on. A, there's been marches before, and I've always been like, ah, go for it. But I, I don't feel strongly enough. This time I'm like, Scotty from marketing yep. and Christian Porter need a very clear message that this is not good enough and we yes. have had enough. And I feel like that call to arms of we've had enough now, there's going to come a point where we don't ask for permission and we just do it and yes. uh, you will have to live with it. <laughs> you embody so much of really what international, if you're talking about real meaning of how we're celebrating a woman and, and where we need to close the gaps, Lacey, I think you you um, embody so much of that spirit. And I am very thankful that you're using your position to be able to speak out and actually call for change very courageously and bravely. Enjoy talking to you so much. I think I could go on for hours. Um, uh, and so thank you so much for being on and sharing the insights with our listeners. Thanks, the one thing Thanks for letting me swear. I, no, that's uh, all right. I'll, I'll put, sorry, maybe I'll put a my, warning. That's fine. Yeah, my um, filthy language. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, so as, as we end this episode, can you just remind our listeners again about uh, what you said, the actual theme of International Women's Day or where they can actually look for other resources that don't come up with the, the first Google yeah yeah yeah. Uh, yeah and of course um you know that's about resourcing right because search engine optimization so look look for the un guys with anything that's about sustainable development goals um look for the un so google for them and uh i will get the quote imprecise but it's about the 2021 uh theme that the un has chosen is about women and leadership in a post-covid world so making sure that we thrive because as you i guess a lot of people would have seen um women took a bigger hit during covid like yes we're recovering quite well in australia but around the world a lot of women have gone backwards um so they're, they're they're focusing on that women in leadership and i guess it's a bit of a cliche but everybody um everybody's a leader you're all a leader leader to your partner and your kids or in your school community or at your workplace or you know speaking on a stage whatever it is um everybody can do something about that um and that includes every gender and everybody everybody (laughs) can do something yeah so i would encourage people to have a look there i would also um encourage some healthy skepticism Okay. Uh, and the same as you would with any bank trying to sell you thing when so- something when someone's doing something for International Women's Day and they invite you to that lunch or yeah. uh, that lovely breakfast and give you those gifts. Um, you know, ask, did you pay the speakers? Did you pay the people who provided that stuff? Like, <laughs> hey, do that kind of thing. Like, use a bit of healthy scepticism and don't fall for the marketing as easily. Um, it's it's tiring sometimes. So don't beat yourself up if you just go, I'm just going to the brunch. Can't be the one who asks all the time. Correct, correct. Um, but, you know, if enough of us do it, uh, it will make an impact. So please do uh, use your healthy scepticism effectively to ask questions uh, and, and really test things, um, mm. especially if you are in a position of power in your company. So middle-aged white blokes, I'm looking at you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining our Circle of Stories. Subscribe for new episodes. Let's change how the story ends.